0: Welcome to the Agents of Innovation Podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation Podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to thank you for joining us here on Episode 83. Well, it's been a long way since episode one and any kind of audio issues we've ever had on this podcast. Can't you just hear the sound of my voice? Doesn't it just keep getting better and better? Not that you really want to keep listening to the sound of my voice, but this great new audio equipment I have, I just, even when I'm hearing my voice through my headset, I feel like, wow, what an improvement. Anyway, I went to Atlanta, Georgia recently to record this interview with Jack McGinnis. Jack is the chief technology officer for Savvy. Savvy, S-A-V-V-Y. That's a brand new dating app. All the kids are already on it. Well, that is if they're at uh, Georgia Tech or any of the other places that they are marketing this thing to. It is a live dating app. You don't get to see the photos of the people you're trying to connect with until you've actually gotten through a few rounds of this dating game. So we're going to hear a little bit more about how people might be first learning about each other. This is like the opposite of Tinder where you just see people's photos and you swipe and it's very superficial because no one reads any biographies or personalities or interests. They're just like, oh, good looking, bad looking, good looking, bad looking. So this is the opposite. You don't get to see photos. You actually first have to answer some questions and you compete against other people for the attention of your potential mate. So once you actually win with that potential mate, you then get to talk and chat. And so we're going to hear a little bit more and then actually get to see each other's photos at that point. So we're going to hear a little bit more about how this dating app Savvy works from Jack McGinnis. But what's really neat is we're gonna talk about Jack himself. He's the chief technology officer. And so he's one of the designers of this app, one of the people on the back end. So we're gonna talk about what it's like to design an app, what it's like to join a team of other creators. And what's even crazier than that, these guys haven't even all met each other in person because, partially because of COVID, but also they were all already in different areas of the country when they were connected through. Uh, mutual contacts. And so they never got the chance to see each other. And then COVID uh, and all the social distancing and, you know, restrictions on travel and everything have actually accelerated or prolonged, I should say, the length of time these guys are actually going to meet each other. So which is kind of cool, though, because I mean, they're developing an app for people who haven't met each other either. So I guess it all works out that way. So Jack McGinnis is a senior at Georgia Institute of Technology, otherwise nor does. Georgia Tech, and they, um, I, I met up with him there in, in Atlanta, and there's obviously you know Georgia Tech is just the home of so many great engineers and people in computer science, and so I know sometimes I like to diss higher education on this program, or at least tell people you don't have to go to college, but you know what, there are some people that uh, benefit from going to college, especially great universities like Georgia Tech, and especially when they're very, very focused on things that are high level technical stuff that they need that stuff for. But Jack's also going to talk to us a little bit more about other things too, and how the networks and the other jobs that he's done throughout high school and college have helped lead him to where he's at today. The other cool thing about Jack is he actually reached out to me and said, Hey, I listened to your podcast. I think you might be interested in what we're doing. So if you know somebody who is doing something cool like Jack... And Or if you are somebody like Jack, and you're listening, and you're like, Hey, I've got an idea for Francisco to host me or a friend or somebody on, my pod, on his podcast. Please send them my way. But also, please know that we are now building a community that is not just a podcast. It's a community of ascending and aspiring entrepreneurs. We're taking people like Jack and helping lift them up. And we're trying to connect you to people like Jack and to people like our music artist who we play on every one of these episodes. So at the end of this episode, we have a song by JD Iker called Maybe You Should Know. And what I'm saying is maybe you should know JD Iker. Maybe you could host JD Iker. Maybe you can buy JD Iker's music. Whatever you want to do to connect with people like JD Iker or Jack McGuinness, we can help you do that through the Agents of Innovation community. If you go to the org, we're starting to build out a platform or just actually part of our site that's going to help you learn how you can connect individually with some of these featured innovators. Maybe you or somebody you know wants to bring them to a conference or a house show or hire them for one of their services to get some coaching or mentoring. Happy to connect you with them. Also, to help support all of this work, I'm just asking you to join our Patreon membership page. You go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash agents of innovation, patreon.com slash agents of innovation. We'll put that link in the show notes here as well. So you can find it on whatever app you are listening to. For just $5 a month, you can become a member. For $10 a month, I'll give you a shout out on this program. For $21 a month, you can connect on monthly webinars with some of our featured innovators, ask them the questions. I didn't ask them or ask them the questions that are more specific and relevant to you and your life and what you're working on. And if you would like to be a sponsor of this podcast, you can do so at just $90 a month. You will sponsor every single episode while you are a member. I will mention you and everything. So speaking of our awesome new Patreon members, I want to give a shout out, first of all, to one of our sponsors. And one of those sponsors is my parents, Frank and Jerry Gonzalez. Thank you so much without you, I am nothing. You know that. And you listen. I know you're listening. You're listening to this. And you're probably hoping that I'll get on a dating app and meet somebody someday. So who else is some of our patrons here? Let me tell you who some of our patrons are. We've got Lance Robinson out in the Arizona area in Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale. We have Chris Cox up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Thank you, Chris. We've also got... Who else we got? We got Phil Ledbetter which is he's just north of Orlando and Sorrento, Florida. Every time I see that, I just want some cheese, Phil. Thank you, Phil, for listening. Phil uh, particularly told me he really liked our episode with Eric Wynn, uh, Wind Vintage, with all those vintage watches. And so very thankful to all of these patrons. And also my friend Tyler Houston up in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, he's got a great... Financial firm, but he's going to have to pay more for that sponsorship. And Sean Gross, my best friend since high school, uh, we uh, started actually our first entrepreneurial venture together, at least my first entrepreneurial venture. And we had Sean on a previous episode of the podcast. Sean is out in Denver, Colorado. So thank you to Lance, Phil, Sean, Chris, Tyler, and of course, Frank and Jerry Gonzalez, the most important are not only my parents, but are sponsoring the podcast. Unbelievable. It's now your turn, listeners. Come on and join our Patreon community. You're going to get also early access. Uh, In fact, if you are listening now and you're a Patreon member, you already knew I was going to have Jack McGinnis on because I told you all after I interviewed him on the Patreon page what our next episode was going to be and what you had to look forward to. So I hope this lives up to the billing and. I want to thank you for listening. And of course, you know where to find us, agentsofinnovation.org, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now Patreon. Thank you. And now let's get to our guest, Jack McGinnis. Okay, I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, Jack McGinnis. Jack, thanks for being with us today. I
1: appreciate you having me on.
0: Well, I'm here, Jack. You're wearing the hat where I'm at. Georgia Tech, uh, uh, thanks for letting me visit you here at Georgia Tech University.
1: Of course. Happy to have you in Atlanta. Or actually, it's Georgia... Institute of Technology. Georgia
0: Institute of Technology. It's great to be in Atlanta. I love Atlanta. I'm here a lot. And uh, we've actually had a number of great guests from the Agents of Innovation podcast from Atlanta on. I can think of my friend, uh, John Yves Abone, who's actually uh, about to take a flight from Miami to Paris this week. To uh, He's now a coach for the, uh, number 39 ranked player in the world of tennis, uh, Riley Opelka. <laughs>
1: nice. That's awesome.
0: And we had JY on all the way back on episode two. And, and then, um, recently, more recently, my friend, Matt Thomas, who lives here, who's also, um, he's a, a chess boxing world champion, but also, uh, runs, uh, brawl for a cause. One of my favorite charities, which they have here in Atlanta. And then my friend, Kevin Scott, I know lives here. Um, who uh, we had on earlier this year. He's the CEO of Adobe, and he also uh, runs a, a great, basically a company that that helps uh, people in, uh, in leadership in different companies uh, to be better. So we've had a lot of great guests from Atlanta. I could probably go on and on, but now we've got <laughs> Jack McGinnis. And Jack, you are the CTO, Chief Technology Officer for Savvy.
1: Yes, the Savvy Dating Game. Um, that, that's my current role, uh, as well as obviously being a student here, like you said. And you're a senior here at Georgia Tech? I am a senior looking to graduate in uh, May of next year. So one more semester to go after this one.
0: Great. So Greensboro, North Carolina is where you're from. Yes. And uh, how old are you now?
1: I'm 21 right now, about to turn 22.
0: So you're one of the youngest guests I've ever had on the (laughs) Agents of Innovation podcast. And uh, my friend, Houston Keene, who's a musician, might have beat you. I think he was either 20 or 21 when he was on, but maybe right around there. Um, But anyway, uh, what are you studying at Georgia Tech?
1: Yeah, I'm a computer science major, uh, focusing mainly in artificial intelligence and networking. Um, So that's kind of where my concentration's been over the last couple
0: of years. Great. how? What was the process of, of of like thinking about, I want to go to Georgia Tech?
1: Yeah, so it's actually kind of a wild story. Um, I applied to Georgia Tech before I had any idea what I wanted to do. Um, and the reason I applied was because they were one of the only schools in the southeastern region to have um a club that works with trading so we have an actual business club that um does live trading um they teach day trading etc and that was something that i thought i was going to be really interested in so i applied just out of the blue Um, didn't think about it took a computer science class my senior year of high school after my application and absolutely loved it and was like, this is what I want to do. So I'm going back through all my college applications where I've applied as a business student to pretty much everywhere. And I'm like, where can I study uh, computer science? And it lined up nicely because Georgia Tech has a fantastic program. Um, So I actually ended up getting accepted and being able to change my major over.
0: Oh, great! Well, uh, so you came to Georgia Tech originally for the other thing? Yes, for correct. Trading. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Well, they—I uh, know Georgia Tech University or Institute of Technology. <laughs> sorry, uh, no worries. Good football team too. ACC. So, uh, I mean, good, good in some years. Good enough. Yeah, good enough. Good enough. <laughs> um, well, anyway, it's a great, great school and uh, one of the top in, in things like computer science and engineering. So let me tell you, let me ask you another question uh, before we get into talking about Savvy. I just want to get give our guest a little background about you. Uh, I've noticed uh, in getting to know you uh, that you have had a number of other jobs and internships uh, in um, in college and things like that. But before we get to that, mm-hmm. let's go back to, I always ask this because we have a lot of entrepreneurs obviously on this uh, podcast, and I'd like to know where, where people first st- started learning how to work. So what was your first job?
1: My first job was actually at a Christmas tree lot um, in high school. So I uh, had a family friend who ran a Christmas tree lot. And obviously in Greensboro, there aren't a ton of Christmas trees around. So he would bring Christmas trees down from the mountains and lay them out and sell them. So my first job was uh, talking to customers, helping them pick out a tree, bagging that tree, and then tying it on top of their car. So that was my first ever like
0: paid job. And that's like a seasonal job.
1: Yeah, that was a seasonal job. So I did that for two months. How Um, old were you then? I was 16 or 17. I could drive to it. So I was at least 16.
0: Great. Um, well, what what types of things did you learn from that job?
1: Uh, that... Obviously, hard work is one of the biggest ones in that one because um, the more amicable you are with customers, uh, it's, it's prim- primarily tip-based. Um, so you are always trying to work as hard as you can, be as comforting to the customers and helpful as possible. Um, so that was one where I really learned the value of kind of customer service, which obviously um, in the computer science industry is something that can get lost a lot. So a translation there.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. So let's get back to those other, uh, those other jobs and internships you've had, particularly as you got into your college years.
1: Um, yeah. So freshman year going actually after my freshman year, uh, going into sophomore year, that summer, I worked my first internship with a company called VF corporation, um, which VF corporation, they actually oversee apparel brands. So they're the parent company for, um, the biggest two are Vans and North Face. So they oversee both of those. And I was working there. That was my first role in like a technology programming job. So I was working there alongside a more experienced um, graduate student intern. So that was kind of my first hands-on role. And then, and what were you doing
0: particularly for them?
1: So I was doing cloud engineering and DevOps. So I was writing a lot of tooling for Amazon Web Services and helping um, our deployment team get things out um, to the cloud for specifically for Vans product in that scenario.
0: Great. And then what was your next job?
1: After that, I worked at a company called NCR, um, which is actually right across the street over there. Um, it previously stood for a national cash register, um, which they changed because that's not a super glamorous name.
0: I just like uh, access to the national cash <laughs> <Yeah>. register.
1: <laughs> and then, uh, so I, there I was doing uh, a lot of the same thing, platform engineering back end um, related to some of their point of sale services that they sell. And if you start looking like when you check out at different places now, you'll notice that most of the cash registers do say NCR, um, which was something I had no idea until I interviewed for that job. Um, so those were my first two.
0: So if I'm at like a grocery store or some other department store or something, mm-hmm. I just maybe take a look and probably see that NCR label that you never, never, would never would have noticed. To, yeah, yeah, most
1: likely that would be um, that would, target is a customer. Starbucks is a customer. So there's a lot of different places that so you there's could, a lot of
0: NCR cash registers. Yes, out there. definitely. A lot of them. So, uh, you were putting, what were you doing again for them? So
1: that was all platform engineering. So, Mm -hmm. um, one of their point of sale services where they are, um, running checkouts, like we were talking about, I was working on a team that would do processing for that. And then the specific role I was in was helping with coupon codes. Um, so how does the cash register process coupons? What if you have two of them? So if you stack coupons together, is that allowed?
0: Um, so kind of doing all of those services. Great. And uh, anything else beyond that? Any other internships or jobs?
1: So this last summer, I worked uh, virtually for Nike. Um, I was a global technology intern for Nike. And um, that was that was obviously my first virtual work experience, which was a little different. But there I was working on their store inventory management team. Um, so allowing the, the people in the stores to know how many boxes are in the back, where the nearest stock is, if it's not on location, um, and trying to make that process seamless from like scanning to uh working with customers directly
0: that's great and were you expecting to go work somewhere for nike where was that out in in wash uh beaverton oregon so it was supposed
1: to be right by portland Um, we were headed i was headed to the headquarters for the summer um, and then they they pulled a quick 180 when everything happened which i i mean i can't thank them enough because they did end up like continuing the internship which plenty of people that i know didn't have that opportunity, but we did end up fully virtual. So I actually moved back home into Greensboro and lived there and worked primarily in my bedroom.
0: Well, uh, that's good that you were able to get that job and I'm glad they were flexible with yes, you there. Definitely. Um, so let me ask you, given that you've had some of these other jobs and internships, I don't know, were some of these paid, unpaid? What were they? The All of them have been paid, yes. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, how valuable do you think internships are generally for college students like yourself, whether they're paid or unpaid?
1: Sure. So I'll speak from kind of a computer science perspective first, and then I can broaden it out as much as I can with my knowledge. But um, For me, a lot of our concepts that we learn in classes are just that, they're just conceptual. So being able to use those real life experiences where you're like, okay, here's the random math that I learned in this class, and here's how an actual company or organization is applying it to a real life scenario, that's the most valuable part you can get out of it. So in my experience from a technology industry, it's extremely valuable in seeing how things are applicable.
0: Great. And then what would you think uh, broader than that?
1: I've had friends say the same. Um, Again, at Georgia Tech, we are surrounded by primarily engineers who have the same kind of things, but it also allows people to find the concentration in their area that they like most. So for example, I have a civil engineer friend who didn't know that he really enjoyed construction until he went into an industry where that was an option. So being able to kind of Take your your studies and figure out what part of the industry you want to go into is another big, valuable piece.
0: So what would you say to the student who may be struggling to kind of meet their own bills and meet their own expenses and wants to do an internship, but maybe that internship is unpaid?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So first and foremost, specifically, again, talking computer science, first and foremost, you can put yourself in a position to... Get, have like your choice of internships um, prior to that application process, just by um, doing things that you can do in your free time. So for example, one of the big things that every recruiter looks for is side projects that you did outside of school. So working on things uh, like building a chat app, building this or that, and that's going, that doesn't cost you any money besides time. And that's going to put you in a position to where you're more, um, you're more acceptable to recruiters or you're more eligible even without that previous work experience because they know that you can build something from the ground up. So putting yourself in a position to hopefully land a paid internship would be uh, step number one. And then if it comes down to it and you do find yourself with the choice of either an unpaid internship or um, maybe finding another position that does uh, help you with some of the bills that you need to meet, I would say I would say that prioritize yourself first. Make sure that you're working a job that can pay for what you need to pay for. And then in your free time, you can continue to work on those side projects and continue to build that resume up even without necessarily the job experience.
0: Yeah, so that's great. So what you're specifically talking about, if I'm getting you, is uh, doing some side projects that you just kind of build and create on your own without any kind of uh, work application.
1: Correct. Um, uh, One of the cool things about technology and CS is that you can, never, you can never know everything related to tech stacks, what just came out, libraries, everything's always iterating. So just pick something that interests you and build something out of it. Like um, machine learning is really hot right now. There's a ton of different projects you can do that way. Um, building your own app, even if you don't plan on putting it on the app store, just things that you can talk to people about and show that you're really passionate about this industry. Um, that'll put you in a position recruiter wise or just knowledge wise to be successful.
0: Okay, great. Well, now we're going to geek out a little bit, and I'm going to ask you, uh, uh, in this era of technology, how many uh, languages do you speak? Uh, What are they, and how did you learn them? Oh, wow.
1: Um, I know a lot of languages right now, but the thing is— so. I would say that I probably know six or seven languages where I could like sit down and start writing them. Um, most of the common ones, so like Python, Java, those are ones you're going to learn in school. Um, Wait, I
0: learned Spanish and French in school. <laughs> What's this Python and Java stuff? Computer languages. Okay.
1: Uh I, I, I learned Latin in school if that counts, but um, so... Computer or um, Python and Java, those are the two big ones they'll te- teach at most schools. And then after that, it's getting into things that are specific to what you're trying to do. So, for example, Savvy, which um, we'll talk about in a second, that's built all on native iOS, so for iPhones. And iPhone has its own language that uses, um, known as Swift. So, obviously, had to learn Swift for that particular project. Um, the biggest thing I would say to people who are listening to this, who might be either interested or trying to learn languages, is don't memorize like the syntax of the language or this like the specific things of a language the biggest thing is learning how to learning how to think like a computer scientist so if you know how to problem solve the way a computer works like if i you can say okay if i were going to solve this problem using code i would do x y and z then you can learn any language and achieve the same thing with them um so the best computer scientists in the world Google syntax all the time. Um, it's all about learning how to problem solve without any um, language-specific functions, variables, etc.
0: Great. Well, uh, you mentioned Savvy. Let's get into that. Uh, we, as we mentioned, you're the CTO, Chief Technology Officer of Savvy. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about this dating app and how did you get involved?
1: Yeah, sure. So Savvy is the first ever live dating app is kind of our slogan. Um, And essentially what happens is once a night from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern time, we go live. And what that means is you're able to search for games and one girl is matched up with four guys anonymously. And then it goes through three rounds. Each round, she asks a question. Each of the guys answer the questions, how they would... Um, normally answer Do it. they
0: get to see what each other are, are answering?
1: Not until after they've answered. Okay. So once you've answered, you'll see everyone else's answer. But um, they, are
0: these just, these are just open answers? Is it multiple choice? What is open it? answers. Open so answer. type your
1: own answer. Um, the first two rounds, the girl selects from a list of randomly generated questions. And then the last round, she's able to type her own question as well. Um, but so after each round, she eliminates the guy with her least favorite answer until only one guy's left. And then, uh, a match is made between those two profiles are revealed. You can read their descriptions, see their pictures, and then chat for up to 24 hours. Oh, wow. Um, so the concept is giving people a, a barrier or like a ledge to jump off of into conversation. We saw a real need, um, when you're swiping right and left, really the only thing that's there is a picture. So it's hard to start that initial conversation where if you've already answered three questions that the girls asked and you did it in a way that she found intriguing or interesting, you guys can continue that conversation in a chat. So it's trying to, uh, kind of leverage the gamified version to encourage people to continue to talk. Um,
0: do, do people, uh, do see each other's pictures in this or is this after the chat or Only,
1: what? only after they've been matched. So it's okay. only first names until that last round. And then once they get matched, they can see each other's pictures. And what
0: else do they see about the person? Is it just their name or what is it? So right
1: now it's their just their first name, their age, uh, which you can change your age preference based on okay. what you're searching for. And then uh, they can write up a short description, 140 character description, and then uh, their school if they choose to put that.
0: So they they put all that up front before... Uh, she start or they start answering questions that's
1: all on their profile itself okay. um but they she won't know that until the profiles are revealed
0: okay so the profiles aren't revealed it's just that what's revealed before they start answering questions just
1: first names just first names just that's first interesting names.
0: all right well great well that's that sounds like a great way for people to kind of get to know each other and i know uh in the dating app world and all these things you know a lot of people are drawn to photos and pictures mm-hmm. and you know all these sorts of things, so uh, so it's a great way for people to be, I guess, a little less superficial, exactly, right? Um, and, and get to know each other. And is it uh, how many rounds do they go through on on a on so a night
1: throughout the throughout the hour? You can play as many times as you want, as long as you're consistently getting into games. Um, so games take about two minutes. So but let's say the
0: the girl that's asking the question, is it just one question to four guys or do they go through multiple rounds?
1: Yeah. So it'll be one question to the first four guys and then, um, one question to the three guys after one gets eliminated and then a final round question. So it's multiple questions
0: each or one question each round, but one guy is gone from each round. Great. Okay. So yeah, it's like survivor. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, um, I, it's, it's very interesting. So how did you get involved with savvy? So that And who started it? Who founded it? Tell us a little story about it. Yeah.
1: That. So um, the founders are two students at Villanova, Brendan Kinney and Fern Delgado. And they uh, came up with the idea after, I think they were doing some sort of startup class or something like that. And they had to pitch an idea, and the pitch went um, fairly well. So they kind of continued to iterate off that. Um, they pitched at a startup competition
0: and let me, before you continue, what are their backgrounds? Are they computer guys like you or are they, are they more, they are
1: not computer guys. Um, both of them are business oriented. Um, and so savvy wise, stepping back savvy wise right now, they're doing a lot of marketing, a lot of finances, stuff like that. Um, but that was kind of where that led was. They needed someone computer-wise. Um, they went through a couple different options. So they tried some third-party options where you're using like a, like a professional application builder, like some of those firms. And then um, eventually they decided they kind of wanted to build their own team out because we found that, um, or they found that when you need you need people with, um, interest in the company. When you go through a third party company like that, um, it's very hard because they don't have any incentive to continue to work hard on your product besides money. Um, so it's hard to like find that common ground. Um, so they started to think about building out their own team and through a mutual connection, uh, somebody actually reached out to me and was like, Hey, I have these two friends. They're looking for a computer science student. Uh, I think their idea really has some merit. I'd love for you to get involved. And When you're a computer science student, you hear that all the time, like literally all the time. People are always pitching you their ideas because Mm -hmm. everyone has the next big app idea somehow. And so they want to uh, find someone who can build it for them. So I was definitely very skeptical off the bat. I was like, I'm not sure about all of this. We'll see. Uh, So they call me. They're like, here's our idea. Here's where we are. Here's what we think. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I really, I think this could go far. Um, It sounds really fun. Like I would play it. So that's kind of how I was like, oh, sure. I'll take a look at what you guys got so far. And then slowly kind of built up that relationship. Um, And now that that's where we are now.
0: Great. And where did you say you met them?
1: Um, So I actually met them through a mutual friend who played on Xbox together. So none of (laughs) us have ever met each other. So To this day? To this day. Oh, wow. Um, So Brendan Brendan and Fern have met each other because they went to school together. But they played Xbox with one of my high school friends like 10 years ago. Um, And they thought that the the usernames were funny. I don't even remember what they were. So they friended each other on Xbox. And then they just stayed friends. So they kept playing um, until last year. 20 2018 I guess 2019 was when I got involved and they um he was they were talking about it on Xbox like in a in a video game they were talking about this app idea and Brendan I guess was said something along the lines of yeah we need a computer science guy to my friend who again they've never met in person they don't even know what they look like they're just like. playing Xbox they're just playing Xbox yeah. and my friend was like
0: what a world oh yeah I got a guy so that's that is how I got involved <laughs> so these guys um met of Savvy. They competed in a few, uh, startup competitions. Uh, you mentioned, I think the Biggie startup challenge Mm -hmm. and the Villanova Meyer ice award. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about these competitions and uh, how people with startups can get involved with them. And, and are they specifically for tech startups or are they broader?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm not 100% sure about those two. That was kind of right after their project phase. Um, so a little bit before I got involved, I do know that uh, things went very well for them, which is why they continued to iterate on that idea. Um, here at Georgia Tech, we have one called CreateX, I believe. And most colleges have one or a surrounding college has one. So Georgia Tech's CreateX uh, serves to a bunch of other colleges within Atlanta, um, as well as uh, like other people who want to get involved. So there are ways to get involved in those. Are those
0: specifically for tech startups or are they kind of broader startup It depends.
1: Um, I'm not 100% sure about CreateX. I would go out on a limb and say probably not just because it's probably not only tech, just because um, a lot of Georgia Tech culture is surrounded around engineering, computer mm-hmm. science, is kind of a newer field. So, um, I would say that those are probably all engineering
0: based. Okay, great. Well, uh, on the Savvy website, it states that users get to see how matches react to questions in real time, and I think we talked a little bit about that. So, this is very interesting. Uh, tell us a little bit more how the real time application works. Is it every night? Are there? Is it one night a week? What an hour dedicated? Uh, Is it focused on people locally near you? Like, tell us a little bit about how that works.
1: Yeah, sure. So the real-time nature goes back to all those questions, all those answers are happening in real time. Um, So you have 30 seconds to answer after she asks the question. So it's all happening. Everyone's on the app at the same time, which goes back to hopefully you're increasing that rate of communication um, after the match because... Again, if you're using a typical swiping app, no one knows when the other person's on the app. You might, you might match with someone and delete the app and they have no idea. So congregating everyone in the same place at the same time. And it is, it's one hour every night. So, um, Sunday to Sunday, always online. Um, hopefully assuming, assuming we're actually online, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But, um, and so yeah, that, that's kind of the real-time aspect is just getting everybody in the same place. In terms of in your area, um, that's the goal. So you can set your mile radius so that obviously you're matching with people who are around you. And the goal eventually is to have people um, playing specifically. We're targeting specifically college campuses. So hopefully playing with other people who are at their college.
0: Oh, great. Okay. So that's you just answered my next question. I was going to ask you, who's your target audience? So it sounds like it's college students. It
1: is college. We looked at um, primarily like demographics on on different dating apps and found that one of the biggest misses right now for some of the bigger apps is the college market. Um, they've seen a major decline in that audience. And uh, now primarily people on the, those apps are between the age of 30 and 40. So we felt like, if we can capture the t- that market, um, that's kind of the biggest unnoticed market right now, so.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, if you look at people's life progression, when you're in high school, when you're in college, you're constantly surrounded by your peers, of people mm-hmm. uh, of all you know backgrounds and everything, and, and so many in one place. Mm-hmm. And so you probably don't need the dating app. You see people. exactly. Well, well in normal times, you see people. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, yeah, once you start getting into your late 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, that's kind of where probably those da- apps do spike because people are like, hey, I haven't found my match. I got to go do this. And I think probably match.com was one of the big ones mm-hmm. uh, way back uh, with like a website and everything. And I, I know that still exists. But then, then there became these apps all the way down to Tinder and Bumble. And who knows? There's probably 50 <laughs> other ones I, I don't know about. So... Um, but anyway, uh, so on a recent blog post that you wrote, and I like that it's cool. If you go to, what's the savvy website?
1: Uh, so savvy website is savvy and, and then savvy's
0: got two V's.
1: Uh, Yes. And that will link you to uh, pretty much all of our other things. So each of us has a social media. um, And then the blog post you're talking about, those are on Medium, um, which will link directly to that as well. So um, if you go to that website, you can get to pretty much any of our other um, tangential stuff. Yeah.
0: So you've got some blogs there and you can find them on Medium. Um, But uh, on a recent blog, you stated, from a business standpoint, the fundamental idea of Savvy is what makes it exciting. Everyone online and playing together for one hour each night. From an engineering standpoint, it's what makes it terrifying. (laughs) So explain to us the challenges of the technical difficulties real-time applications have in being successful, and what other apps or web-based games did you take a look at as you went through this process?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, when you look at a typical application, website, whatever it may be that's not in this real-time space, you get traffic spread out over 24 hours pretty much. So any website you're going to, um, with the exception of like, if there's like an exclusive shoe drop or something like that, for the most part, traffic will be pretty spread out, um, which gives you the opportunity to uh, manage manage servers, manage databases, whatever else, in a fairly standard way. Um, when you look at savvy real-time communication, it's it's difficult because of how fast it moves. So you have to always have uh, the leanest tech, if you will, um, so making sure that everything's running fast, that that goes from servers to actual algorithms that we are running to database queries, making sure that everything's moving as fast as possible. Because if I send an answer and you send an answer and it's too slow for both of our answers to show up, mm. then the game's going to break. And that's something that, um, I mean, still happens today sometimes in our app is we're trying to constantly um, improve those algorithms, improve those servers so that we can uh, get that really fast feedback. But the other The other big issue with our application is we'll go from five to 10 people online to savvy notification at 9 p.m. Eastern comes out to 800, 900 people online. Wow! So that's like your servers get overloaded really quickly. And so that's something we're trying to take into account is figuring out how can we load manage um, that many people coming online at the exact same time where there was no one online 30 seconds ago.
0: Yeah. Are the servers, where are the servers?
1: AWS. So Amazon Web Services, um, we run everything through them, which they have fantastic um, services that allow us to do that, like load balancers and auto-scaling groups, which are just technical things that basically mean um, we'll try and manage your traffic as best as possible if we can. So that's we're trying to leverage some of those. There's definitely some um, pain points there,
0: but it, we're getting better at it. So if someone is trying to start an, an app, any kind of app, is that... A, Amazon has these sort of services for for web builders? Yes. Developers.
1: So so Amazon has an entire separate sector of their business known as Amazon Web Services. And essentially what these are are their managed cloud technologies. So they allow you to run servers in the cloud, run databases in the cloud, um, as well as thousands of other things that most people are like very specific niche cases that most people will never touch. Um, But they have all these services. So you just create an account and then... Um, they manage a lot of it, like I was saying. So like if we have to scale up or scale down, we can tell Amazon when and where to do that. Um, and they manage all of that so that uh, you can hopefully be kind of like a plug and play situation. Um, we're finding that it's not always like that. Uh, but every, every company I've worked at that we talked about previously was Amazon Web Services. So one of their bigger um, parts of their business as well.
0: Great. So we talked about your remote virtual internship with Nike what about, um, how has it been developing an app and building a company during this uh, COVID lockdown period?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of the big things that Savvy did as a company before this, um, gearing up for this... Re- and you were on
0: board before the, the COVID, right? Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: I've, I've been on board for about a year and a half now. And one of the things we were doing beforehand was building up a, um, a group of what we call reps. So at different schools, we'd get different people on board um, who liked the idea, who thought it could go far. We'd send them a t-shirt or something along those lines. And then we just asked them to market it at their school. And so that could look like a bunch of different things. Our most recent campaign was we sent out these little like index cards uh, that had a QR code and like a download savvy join the mm. party. Um, so they would sent thousands of those to different schools. They would hang things up um, and have people scan the QR code and then download the app. That that core group of ambassadors, the idea was they would be able, we'd be able to go to those different colleges and do different sponsored events. So like, for example, if I know this girl at this college is a representative and she's in a sorority and that sorority is throwing a party, let us throw $500 towards the bar tab and then hang up a savvy flag in response. That was kind of the marketing idea was we'll help you guys do stuff for, um, kind of brand recognition. It's it's very similar to what Bumble's strategy was, which was just get as many reps as you can and uh just sponsor as many things as you can and just get that name everywhere. So that was our initial strategy and then I'm sure as you know with COVID, we haven't had there's been no parties, there's been no bar tabs, there's been nothing. So in terms of what our marketing strategy was to what it is now, it's pulled a full 180. So now we're putting money into um, like TikTokers, inf- influencers, stuff like that, trying to start that side of the campaign because that's really all we can do right now until things do start to get better and people are start to kind of gather again.
0: That's good. Well, it's actually interesting because I was thinking about the fact that a dating app that's like a game app mm-hmm. uh, is actually a great way to sort of meet people... Uh, during COVID lockdowns, (laughs) right? Because, you know, normally you might go to a bar or a party or whatever, but now you're like, Hey, I can still like interact and have some fun with people uh, just on this app. And then, you know, maybe when we determine it's, you know, when we, when we match up and we determine it where and when it's safe to meet up, we can, we can do that individually, not in some big pool party. Like (laughs) I saw at Florida state had the other day, Uh, somebody put on a, on online, something like, the COVID pool party or something like that, uh, and now I just read this morning that 850 students at Florida State, and they good, just started like a week ago, good. have tested positive for COVID. That's uh, so anyway, and that's all we know. So anyway, but uh, yeah, you don't have to go, you know, go to some big pool party and uh, and do that. You can actually get on this app with probably a lot of people that are on it at the same time, and you can get into these. Uh, game rooms and uh, and uh, and and get to learn about people. So that sounds that sounds kind of fun.
1: Yeah, that that definitely is one of the benefits. I guess if any good if any good scenario came out of this is that people do are on their phone a lot more, and it is an easy way to meet people. So once we get over that hurdle of getting the word out to those people, um, we are seeing pretty good user retention and pretty good um, downloads per day. So definitely a benefit, I guess.
0: And also, uh, Jack, I got to tell you, you're a Georgia Tech guy. I'm a Miami Hurricane fan, so it's fun to, to diss on Florida State for a moment, right? Even of though, course. Who knows what students are doing at these schools? Um, so anyway, but uh, also i got to ask you, how do you balance being a full-time student at Georgia Tech, taking on internships and, and also being the CTO of a company? Uh, and, and so how do you balance that and how they complemented one another?
1: It's certainly something I struggle with every day. Like I still, it's still not perfect. My system isn't perfect. Um, the, the biggest thing for me is planning the week ahead of time. So sitting down on Sunday, taking an hour and saying, okay, here's what I have for savvy. Here's what I have for school. How can I time block this into relatively reasonable amounts of time to where I can hopefully complete everything. Um, and so I do that and then just keeping track of what you're doing when, um, I, I'll plug one of my favorite resources that I've had recently is the bullet journal. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that method, but it was invented by an engineer. Um, and somebody put me on his book and I read it and I absolutely loved it. And that's kind of revolutionized the way I organize my thoughts and kind of what my work process is. Um, but really what it comes down to is just, um, prioritizing time blocking. And there are, there are weeks where I just can't get everything done. Like there, that happens. Um, and, Thankfully, the savvy team is fantastic. We are up to seven engineers now. So if there's something that I can't do, I'm like, look, I have, I have this test and I really got to do well on this one. Um, then I can talk with my team and they're, most of them are 20, 25 as well. So we all are able to complement each other on the business side of things. Um, and we all recognize that while it might not always be our main priority, school is still uh, just as important.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's important. Well. Um... Yeah, you know, you mentioned journaling and and tracking time and everything. So this is bullet is what you mentioned, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of James Clear and Atomic Habits. Okay, yeah. And I just read that book earlier this year. Funny enough, it had been on my, my list for a while to read, and it just happened to fall in my priority right as the lockdowns were starting. Mm-hmm. And so I would go on my morning walks, and I would actually listen to the audible version of Atomic Habits. And I took notes on the Audible app. And then once I was done with the book, you know, James Clear, by the way, great marketer, because throughout the book, he's constantly <laughs> referring to the journal, the, mm-hmm. the way he journals and how you can then buy his journal. Of course. And uh, anyway, I bought his journal and actually I love it and it's great and it travels very well with me and everything. But but um, it also reinforces uh, what you learned in his book and kind of to go back to some of the notes. But I think that's so important because you look at highly productive people, their con- time is very, I mean, what does he say in the book? I, I wish I had one of his quotes ready, but but he basically talks about how t- time is so precious. Time is a treasure mm-hmm. that we, time is, you know, something we all basically uh, are equal at in in this world. I mean, some people live longer than others, but in terms of the vast span of history, time, uh, you can't really buy very much. And so you need to conserve it and you need to use it well. And And so anyway, this is kind of the way to be most productive with your time uh, is kind of to track it and things like that. Um, so anyway, glad to hear that that's, that's a way that people can learn from you is, uh, one of the things you're doing and you've discovered that by the uh, ripe old age of 21. So that's great. <laughs> um, took me a few more years than that. But, uh, what would you, um, what would you also say were some of the challenges that you've had to overcome along the way, whether it be with savvy or, or other experiences and are there any current challenges you might still uh, be working through that you can share with the app or with or with the company or, or anything you're working on?
1: Yeah. So big challenge right now is just um, the user base growth size. Um, yesterday, we ran a TikTok campaign, um, which was kind of like the first time we've ever experimented with that. We ended up running it with a guy who um, helped us out. He had 4 point something million followers. So he puts that out that video absolutely exploded we saw uh, fif- like 1500 downloads yesterday which wow. is which is a, a 1500
0: ton. downloads of the, of your app savvy app. Yes. Just well, yesterday. One day.
1: It actually pushed us to, uh, the lifestyle charts on iOS, which is the first I time. I think we've what heard. happened
0: is they just knew you were going to be on the agents <laughs> of innovation did, that's podcast. Right. <laughs> and so we better get this going.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, yesterday the app absolutely exploded. We didn't really intend for that to happen. Um, and so when you go from kind of a small sample size to a much larger sample size in the span of a day, um, it's really shooting in the dark. Like we didn't know what technical challenges we were going to face at that size until we faced them. Um, so for the first five minutes yesterday from that nine to 10 period, things were going a little rough. Um, we had to make some changes on the fly. Uh, thankfully I was on zoom with a couple other engineers and we were able to, uh, kind of get things back up and running after that five minutes of full panic. But
0: again, that's one of the challenges is, I, you know, we've been on this interview a while. Hope, hope there's not been a, a, know, a big uh, bunch uh, of downloads. My you know? phone is over there. I
1: felt <laughs> bad when you were when you were sitting here setting things up. I was on my phone because I was just like, I hope nothing's on fire right yeah. now. But um, I'm a little concerned. Actually.
0: I better <laughs> I better wrap this up soon.
1: Um, but yeah, so just we when you grow, there's always growing pains, and I think that that is probably true of any technology, um, but especially like Savvy, you can't test it the way we would like to test it, which is just put 100,000 users on it and see what happens and then fix the bugs as they go. Because the communication from client to server is so complex that it's just not a reasonable thing to test like that. So we kind of are on the fly, like always brainstorming, like what could break? How could we do this? So I'd say that's the biggest challenge Savvy-wise right now is just uh, seeing that user base grow and hoping that we're able to keep up with it.
0: Well, that's great. Well, um, Jack, you're still young and growing as an entrepreneur and innovator. Uh, based on where you're at now, uh, what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs or those who want to be part of a tech startup?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, a lot of things. The most important, I would say, is just learn. Like that's I cannot like express that enough. This opportunity with Savvy has taught me far more than any job I've held. It's taught me far more than any class I've ever taken. Um, And in order to be successful in this space, I think no matter what entrepreneur you talk to, the number one thing they're going to recommend is constantly learning and constantly iterating on your own ideas, whether that's through books. YouTube is a great platform now, um, different opportunities there. So be open to ideas. You don't know what you don't know. So you have to be able to uh, kind of figure those things out and constantly uh, look at the people who came before you and see
0: kind of um, what where you can fill in those knowledge gaps. Speaking of knowledge gaps, do you watch? Uh, do you ever watch the show Silicon Valley? I
1: do. I love that show.
0: <laughs> so, um, you know, as I'm looking at uh, growing the podcast and other mm-hmm. aspects of this, you know, a friend of mine, I'm gonna give a shout out to my friend, Sonny, uh, down in uh, Titusville. But he said, you need to go home and watch Silicon Valley. And so I watched like one season mm-hmm. all in one night. Um, it's a great show. Funny, funny show. <laughs> I think I've through, through just two seasons now, maybe three. But, um, you know, in, in that show, is there anything you can relate to uh, in that show? And, uh, and, and also, uh, is there anything in there... They just think it's totally hogwash and not realistic because it's a TV show. But what's the things you can relate to?
1: Definitely things that are relatable in there. First and foremost, uh, kind of, I wouldn't say the culture, but like the atmosphere of just a couple people in a room or, or on Zoom in our case, just like constantly throwing out ideas, constantly developing, constantly trying to get better. Um, and I one of the funny things in the first season of that show is like there's no structure at all. And then they bring in Jared um, and he like helps like clean everything up a little bit. Uh, so we actually do, we have uh, somebody on the team whose name, her name is Dana and she helps with that aspect. Um, but that's definitely like a real thing when you don't have that corporate structure, things can be all over the place. So, uh, that part was very relatable. And then just, like I said a second ago, it's just, they have issues when they scaled up because they didn't know what they didn't know. There's a episode in there where they they have like the HD camera on the bird or something ridiculous right. and the servers in the house are literally on fire and everyone's <laughs> running around and from like the consumer point of view they can't see any of that but inside the house everything's on fire and uh, they're all freaking out so that is very relatable maybe not in the actual fire yeah. sense but in the sense that you could play savvy and it could go great tonight and you may have no idea and on our end of things we are panicking we're freaking out we're trying to fix things on the fly so it's Um, the high stakes, even when it's not like, it feels very real and very, like a lot of pressure on you. Um, which I mean, they do a great job of comically portraying that in that show.
0: Yeah. That's a really great, uh, point to to see how emblematic, uh, you know, servers on fire are, uh, for somebody like you. Um, you know, another thing, uh, with that show, I was going to ask you is it takes place obviously in Silicon Valley. And so, you know, Silicon Valley just, you know, the heartbeat of, of all the major tech companies. We, we now know all the big ones, Google and Facebook and, you know, uh, all, all sorts of, uh, tech startups and big, big, big name companies now. But, uh, you know, you're not in Silicon Valley. Maybe, I don't know if you have have any aspirations to go out there someday and work in that environment where you could literally almost walk or bike (laughs) to all these places Mm -hmm. very fast and, and eat at all their cafeterias. Uh, but, uh, what, you know, what do you see also for the Silicon, like, out here, like Silicon Valley, outside Silicon Valley, because you guys, first of all, you guys never even met a few <laughs> of you uh, in person, and you're working remotely, and and it seems like even a lot of companies right now, like you know Google, for example, um, just announced that they're basically all virtual, mm-hmm. uh, except for you know some very very minor number of employees uh, until sometime in the middle of 2021, which is crazy like it's gonna be more than a year of virtual Mm -hmm. uh by that time and who knows beyond that and so a lot of other companies are doing this we're here in uh midtown atlanta and the streets are pretty quiet because a lot of people aren't coming into downtown and midtown and working in all these office buildings uh so anyway so there's the virtual aspect right now because of covid but also what do you see of just uh not necessarily being in silicon valley and 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 yet taking part in this kind of uh infrastructure for a dating app definitely um I will say that I
1: am probably biased in this aspect because growing up or going to college at Georgia Tech, um, a lot of the culture here harps on innovation. So it's not necessarily the same thing as if I just lived in Atlanta. Uh, So that's kind of helped drive me. There's a lot of people who have big aspirations for startups, being an entrepreneur, specifically at this school. So building a network out like that um, has helped kind of reinforce that community aspect, which I think at the end of the day, in my opinion, one of the things that really helps Silicon Valley is the fact that that's the culture there. Like when you go out to a bar, you're talking about technology. When you do X, Y, and Z, you're talking about technology. And that's what helps it to continue to iterate. Um, It's also a blessing and a curse. Like I've heard plenty of people say, like, I do not want to talk about mobile apps when I go out to drink. So um, I think that that culture is what keeps the innovation going. And I think Georgia Tech has done a really good job of bringing that culture to Atlanta. Um, Outside of that, in terms of like talking with people on Zoom or whatever it may be, um, everyone is really bought into the product of what we're making and the challenges that we're trying to fix. Uh, So when it comes to innovating, like everyone just wants to see the best for what we're trying to do, um, which keeps kind of that iteration going.
0: So that's interesting because I think you're right in that when you have a lot of different people kind of working in this field, it, it kind of spurs uh, spurs more innovation. Also, I have a, a a real sense that I think if when you also connect people across different fields mm-hmm. or even expose them to ideas from different fields, they also that could also spark more innov- innovation because may, they maybe they're. They get an opportunity to think outside the box, like Definitely. oh, they're doing something over there in healthcare like this. Maybe we could do something in education like this, or you know, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. You know, so um, what do you think about that? And also, uh, I say that because um, I think Jack, if I'm not mistaken, I think you've listened to a few episodes of the Agents Innovation and I and some of the. I don't think we've had very few on tech startups. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly, a lot of other different fields. So I just wonder if you if you listen to the Agents of Innovation podcast or other podcasts or, or learn from people in other fields. And how does that, how do you think that might help you in thinking about innovation in your field?
1: Sure. Um, I do, I listen to a lot of podcasts from all different fields, same with YouTube, same with pretty much everything. And so one of the things that you can take away is that high performers in any, area typically do the same thing. And what I mean by that is, and it's like the seven habits of highly effective people. Like this isn't necessarily innovation-based, but you can build your business the same way anyone built their business to an extent, um, no matter what industry they were in. And you can build your brand the same way. Um, So being able to kind of see how highly effective people work, no matter their industry and what challenges they went through while building their business is exceptionally valuable. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I take away from podcasts and such, um, is just how are these people thinking about things? Um, not necessarily, and this might be a downfall on me. This might be something I need to start looking into. Um, but like when it comes to branding, when it comes to stuff like that, can we take things from that, um, from a different industry and bring that into what Savvy's trying to do? Um, I will say, again, this isn't totally out of the tech space, but kind of seeing that cross realm is uh, a lot of what Savvy does is pulling from the gaming industry. Um, So you'll hear in our meetings constantly talking about... Yeah, there it is. It comes full circle, but constantly talking about game theory, gamification, how can we make it fun? How can we make users continue to play? So that's not something that, at least in my experience, I've previously had in other technology roles. So... A little bit of blending there, again, both tech, but um, pulling from something that would typically not be related to a dating app specifically.
0: Great. Well, um, I did want to mention here that uh, on the Agents of Innovation podcast, we've had a few guests who are in the technology field, I really, but... really one I can think of specifically that was way back on episode 12 in 2015. I had him on. This was Herman Espitia. He was the founder, actually funny enough, of Habit Streak. It's <laughs> actually, so this kind of comes all full circle <clears> here. <throat> it's actually uh, an app you could download where you actually keep track of those 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 habits so mm-hmm. instead of buying the james clear journal for example <laughs> uh, there there's a tracking page in that journal i'm sure there's one in the bullet journal mm-hmm. or something you could actually just have this on your app and track and and i'm sure uh, you know with the app it actually uh, keeps track of things and i think he's updated it quite a bit since 2015 we also had on episode 19 a little after that uh, my friend, Matt Cabus, who's actually from Atlanta, uh, Matt's now living in New York City. God bless him during this time. Uh, but he's a graduate of University of Georgia and is now with a company called Amplitude. When we had him on, the company was Amper Music, and I think they evolved into Amplitude. But it's basically uh, AI technology that helps teams rapidly build digital uh, awesome. products. And before that, it was kind of using... Um, kind of AI to help create new music, That's so really original cool. music. Um, and uh, anyway, it's, it's pretty interesting. And then on episode 31, we talked with the serial entrepreneur named Mark Cleveland, who developed a transportation app. Mark is based in Nashville. Uh, his app is called Hitch, H-Y-T-C-H, and they incentivize users to share rides uh, to, and reduce their impact on yes. the environment. So it's pretty interesting. So those are kind of the, the few that I can think of mm-hmm. that we had specifically in sort of the tech app building fields. And so I encourage listeners who maybe were interested in this one to go back to listen to some of those other ones. And with that, I'm just going to ask uh, Jack, if you want to kind of close us out here and, and any last uh, comments or thoughts or advisement you want to give to others who might be listening.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the big things that I would love listeners to do is try out the app and shoot me a direct message and email you can call me, my phone number is listed on the website. Like we are always looking for feedback so that we can continue to improve our app, continue to improve our ideas. Um, so if you listen to this, if the idea sounds slightly intriguing, try it out and, uh, let us know what you think. And we would love to get your ideas, your questions, whatever else into the app.
0: Great. And, uh, and Jack, so they could just go to Apple po- Apple, sorry, iTunes, all these sorts of things, uh, whatever they use and just, uh, download the savvy app.
1: Yep. So if you go on the, we're only on uh, iOS right now, but if you go to the Apple app store, uh, you can type in savvy, we should be the first, uh, response. You can type in savvy dating game. Um, it's a pinkish logo. Um, and then if, if, if that doesn't sound great, you can go to SavvyDatingGame.com
0: and, uh, download it that way. I also noticed you must, you must be learning some things about from the dating app about dating because you're already willing to give out your phone number to all of the people <laughs> listening. So, uh, so encourage uh, people, uh, connect with uh, Jack McGinnis here uh, at Savvy Dating App. And uh, thank you, Jack, for, so much for joining us on the Agents of Innovation podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate you coming to Atlanta.
0: Yeah, uh, anytime. I love Atlanta. Great city. Coca-Cola, Chick-fil-A, what's not to That's love? That's right. All right, Jack, thanks so much. Thank you.
2: I'm fighting, I'm falling Every single time nothing's coming You smell blood and circle around me Let me tell you that's the thing that I need I don't want to be living just to live a little longer I don't want to be earning if it's just to fill the coffers I don't want to be hasty, I don't want to be bothered By your weak intimidation Maybe you should know Oh, oh, that the joke's on you, maybe you should know Oh, oh, you're not the tried or the true See, there's a timeline ticking on your cheap ideas And the limelight's fading on your six appeal And while you spend love to make it, while you cheat, steal and fake it The long game's coming for you, maybe you should know